You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. for the Alabama-affiliated website that is a part, of course, of the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. I've been in a little bit of a dark chocolate raisin rut here in the last day or so. Look, I'm not complaining, okay? If there's a rut to be in, Dark chocolate raisins aren't a bad one to find yourself in. They've got those dark chocolate raisins. They've got dark chocolate almonds. They've got milk chocolate. They've got white chocolate. Whatever your little heart desires when it comes to chocolate goodies, they've got them for you there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program, as always, by executive producer Joe Gaither, who together we combine to form the 60 of the Sports Talk Radio. Joe, how you doing? Oh, I'm not bad today, Travis. How about yourself? Hanging in there. You know, we continue to have football to talk about, right? So that's not a bad thing. Uh, we continue to get to talk about Alabama football specifically, SEC football specifically. So we'll take it. We'll take it for the time being. And we'll get into a lot of that. On the program today, we'll also be joined by Cecil Hurt, the sports editor and columnist for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com, coming up uh, here in about oh, 15 minutes or so. We'll do our weekly check-in with Cecil. Uh, again, we're, we're moving through the sort of staggered practices to open preseason workouts for a lot of teams around the SEC. They had 40 days before that opening date that's been set as September the 26th. You can have 25 practices within that time frame. So uh, plenty of time. No need to get into a big rush. No need to stack practices or workouts. Although I understand that from the NFL perspective, maybe what the players wanted in terms of no preseason games has backfired on those guys a little bit because when you have preseason games in the NFL, well, you travel typically the day before even preseason games to your destination or essentially the day before if you're the home team is the equivalent of a walkthrough. And then the day after preseason games, you get that day off. Well, with no preseason games, the boys – you know, they wanted the, the preseason games gone. Well, now what they're getting is just practice after practice after practice after workout after workout. They're not getting the breaks because there aren't any of those preseason games in there. Uh, you know, got to be kind of careful what you wish for, I guess. 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us on this Wednesday morning, you are certainly welcome to do so. Uh, UA because there is no media viewing periods right now over at the uh, Hank Crisp Indoor Facility 
are the uh, Thomas Drew practice fields over there off Bryant Drive. UA doing a good job getting the pictures out at least and giving you some video on a daily basis. First two days, we've had over four minutes of practice video, right? Pretty good stuff. You know, a lot of fans, a lot of media pouring over that practice footage. What is the quarterback lineup looking like? Is it Mac Jones, Bryce Young, Paul Tyson? Huh? Are you going that deep with it? Are you getting that deep with depicting the events on those four minutes of video? Hey, I'm right there with you. You know, I want to see what maybe some offensive line combinations look like. Is it going to be Chris Owens at center? Maybe move Landon Dickerson over to guard. Deontay Brown at guard, Evan Neal, and Alex Leatherwood, your tackles. Yeah, you're interested in that. I get it. So you continue to do that as Alabama moves through preseason practices. Um, You heard from Steve Sarkeesian yesterday. You heard from Devontae Smith. You heard from Dylan Moses uh, about what you would expect. A lot of quarterback talk with Sark and Devontae addressing reporters via Zoom on Tuesday and you parcel the comments, you know, about what you would expect. Sark speaking to Mac Jones, having the benefit of the experience from last year, thrown into a little bit of the deep end of the pool unexpectedly in the first half of that Tennessee game after Tua moving to his left. How many times have we said that? Tua moving to his left, something bad happened. Tua, of course, with the ankle injury against the balls, Mac thrust into action, a little bit of an uneven performance for Mac against the balls. It was good enough. You actually had a touchdown pass uh, from someone other than Tua and Mac in that game, didn't you? Didn't Slade Bolden throw a touchdown pass, a little Tebow jump pass to Miller Forstall against the balls in that game? It was one of those games, yeah. But, um, you know, with that experience and with no spring practice and with sort of a certainly adjusted off-season program in general, you know, Mac Jones, absolutely the odds-on favorite to take the opening snap against the Missouri Tigers on September the 26th. But you also heard from Sark in relation to Bryce Young this sort of just natural ability to throw the football, and not just as a passer and not just mechanically and not just physically the tools that Bryce Young has. And when you look at Bryce Young at about six foot and he's put on some weight, uh, you don't really think of a guy that's going to generate that type of uh, ball spin and velocity, but he does, and he's very comfortable in doing so. And Sark spoke to that yesterday, not just the natural throwing ability, but also the instincts, a lot of the same vernacular that you've heard used in the past with Tua Tagovailoa. You're hearing applied to Bryce Young. You heard Devontae Smith yesterday when he was asked about Bryce Young and said multiple times in his response. And Devontae isn't a guy of a lot of words. So when he reiterates uh, words like great in relation to a player, especially a freshman, it kind of perks your ears up a little bit. And that's what you heard from Devontae Smith in relation to Bryce Young. Said he is going to be a great quarterback. Didn't say he is already but that he's going to be, which just sort of reaffirms the notion that with Bryce Young, we're not talking about if, we're talking about when. And with that time frame in mind that you're considering heading into the 2020 season, again, that favors Mac Jones. Um, But certainly, there's still enough time for Bryce Young to assert himself to the point where you're going to feel at least comfortable putting him into the football game very early on and in a season in which, you know, where it could hurt Bryce Young a little bit is that you're not going to have the games like Georgia State where you know you can probably get him at least a quarter of work. You're not going to have um, Kent State. You're not going to have uh, Tennessee Martin. But there still may be enough time here for Bryce Young to prove himself to the point where even in an all-SEC schedule, 
you're okay with putting him in there. And then there's still Paul Tyson to consider too. You heard Sark yesterday talk about Tyson and some of the nice strides he's made uh, during his first year in the program. And I've said all along with Paul Tyson, if you're following a blueprint for a potential path to a legitimate candidacy for the starting quarterback position at Alabama, if you're Paul Tyson, you're following the one of the guy right now at the top of the depth chart. And that's Mac Jones. 205 342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. You got those ticket guidelines out there yesterday, too, from UA. I wonder, did anybody have any success at this point uh, getting in on the packages? There were the two packages yesterday. You know, the chocolate lady is a devout member of the Tide Pride system. So she got that email and... Uh, you know, talking with her about options, perhaps. I mean, you're going to have to qualify at a points level for a lot of this. Those boxes, those boxes will be open, by the way. Not uh, that, that qualifier is uh, those Tide Pride points are going to qualify for the folks in the boxes. Don't you worry about that. Um, but for the great unwashed and the huddled masses, the rest of us and the chocolate lady in that group, uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. I've heard from people on the roundtable message board there with us at BamaOnline.com that they went ahead and made the decision to opt out, get the full refund, and you know check back with you next year. Uh, but I think there's going to be more than a few people, plenty of people who are going to be in the mix in that lottery as, it, as it's going to be, I would think, for those 20,000 tickets or so with Alabama announcing its protocols for capacity and then, you know, how the game day operation is going to work at the stadium. Uh, a lot to take in. You know what it's going to feel like? You're going to have Georgia in here, and hopefully we'll have the 20%, okay? I, I, if you had told me uh, uh, even two weeks ago, and, and you could guarantee me right now that Alabama's going to have 20%, uh, capacity for Texas A&M on October the 3rd. I'd take that right now. But you know what it's going to have the feel of? I mean, you're going to have a top 10 matchup on October the 3rd of Alabama and Texas A&M at Bryant-Denny Stadium. And you know when Bryant-Denny hosts the state championship games in high school? I mean, you're essentially going to have like a Hoover-Prattville crowd for Texas A&M and Alabama. It's going to be kind of Weird, isn't it? I would think places like Alabama and these Power 5 programs are going to do what they can, right, to sort of adjust the stadiums in a way that uh, at least the feel and the look isn't just of just wide open spaces. Maybe it will. I mean, for social distancing, you're going to have to have some of that, I would guess. But just fascinating to consider just what the – the setup and the look of it's going to be, especially for those watching on television. And then how is it going to impact the city of Tuscaloosa? We also heard yesterday there will be no tailgating on the campus at UA. But look, I would think you're still going to have tons of folks trying to come into Tuscaloosa on home game weekends. You know, we had someone on the roundtable throw out the suggestion of maybe opening up the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater put the games on the big screen, you know, social distance in a way at the amp where maybe you get a thousand people in there. Certainly you've got government plaza downtown. Maybe you could do something with that. I know our friends at heat pizza bar, they've got that projection screen for their deck area uh, that they like to put up, but just regulating all that, especially on the heels of bid day and the consternation that caused over the weekend. Walt Maddox, and the folks of Tuscaloosa are going to have a, you know, it's kind of a, it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? I mean, we've heard so much about the economic hit that the city and not just the city, but the state in general, when you consider Alabama and Auburn and sort of the extension of that effect economically, not just in the towns themselves of Tuscaloosa and Auburn, but you got a lot of folks that'll post up in Birmingham 
You got a lot of folks that'll post up in Montgomery. Uh, so that impact is extensive. But as far as the towns themselves go, uh, you know, you, you want to try to salvage as much of that as you can, obviously. I can tell you that. Someone with an interest in a local business, absolutely. Uh, but then trying to stay within CDC and state and local regulations, there'll be a lot to consider there as well. Hey, um, you had the Atlanta Braves last night. Speaking of some hardball, the Atlanta Braves fall to the Washington Nationals last night. You know, Josh Tomlin in getting the start, he was okay. Four innings pitched, six hits, a walk. Two runs. I mean, that's about where you're at right now with that starting pitching for the Braves. But, boy, Tyler Matzik comes in in the fifth, and you talk about a nightmare line. A third of an inning pitch, six hits, four runs. Offensively, we're going to talk about pitching a lot anytime the Braves lose a game in all likelihood, but it just wasn't the Braves' night. Braves offensively left 29 guys on base. Uh, now you hear that Nick Markake is going on the COVID list, not because he has tested positive, but because apparently he's been exposed to someone who has. Um, you continue to work without Albies and Acuna in that lineup. You had kind of a spotty defensive performance, again, all around last night. So you look to get it right this evening with a first pitch at 6-10 over in Atlanta with the Braves and the Nats. You also had the NBA playoffs. A couple little surprises yesterday, right? Are you watching the NBA more if you're one of these folks that's been sort of left to work at home or you're just home in general more now? Um, with the games, I mean, you got matinee NBA playoff basketball on the cable. Damn to sing, right? But yesterday you had the Magic knock off the Pacers in the Eastern Conference. And then last night, what about LeBron, Dame, and the Blazers playing the best basketball at the right time? The Blazers with a game one win over the L.A. Lakers last night. So you continue on with playoff action. Uh, today, you're going to have PGA Tour golf starting up tomorrow. You're going to have Alabama representation once again in the PGA Tour at the FedEx playoffs. Getting underway up in Boston, you got four former Alabama players in the field at the Northern Trust between Justin Thomas, Michael Thompson. You got Robbie Shelton, Bud Cauley up there, former standouts for J.C. Well over at UA. You got a couple of former men's standouts that are going to be on the PGA Tour next year, finishing up this Corn Ferry Tour. That tour moves to Columbus, Ohio. Won't have Big Ten football this fall, but you're going to have pro golf this weekend in Columbus, Ohio, at Ohio State University on the Scarlet Course. Uh, as you'll have Davis Riley and Lee Hodges in that field. And then for the women's program at Alabama, Mick Potter's crew, you've got four Alabama alums playing in the Women's British Open this weekend at Royal Troon. Over in Scotland, just such a strong contingent right now on the professional golf tours from the men's and women's golf teams at UA. You're going to have Cheyenne Knight, you're going to have Stephanie Meadow, Kristen Gilman, and Emma Talley all in the Women's British Open this weekend. Products of Mick Potter's outstanding program at UA. We're going to step aside for our first break and we come back as promised. We got a lot to get into with Cecil Hurt, sports editor and columnist there, of course, for the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. First day of fall classes. Oof. How long are we going to have in-person learning on the University of Alabama campus? We'll ask Cecil about that. And a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Wednesday presented by Peterbrook Chocolates here, right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Partially sunny this afternoon, a chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 70. 
Tomorrow, the sky cloudy at times. Look out for scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms during the day. The high at 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. We are celebrating what would have been the 81st birthday of Ginger Baker, noted drummer right there with uh, Cream back in the day. You also heard uh, Ginger with Blind Faith subsequently and a guy I know who is well-versed in British drummers is our guest today, Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Cecil, what was it about those British drummers from the 60s into the 70s? I mean, Ginger Baker, Keith Moon, uh, John Bonham, not only iconic drummers, but uh, they were something else away from the stage, right? (laughs) Yeah, I think there was a drummer image that you had to live up to. (laughs) Yeah, uh, maybe, 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 yeah, yeah. Everybody was different. I, I don't know that Charlie Watts was the wild man of the Rolling Stones by any by any measure, and I guess Ringo was calm enough. Um, so different, different standard. But yeah, there were some. I think in the some of the some of the heavier bands, they those drummers would Keith, Keith would Keith was so far <laughs> out there. Um, he was in the virtual fans in Westfield. Yeah, he was literally on the moon. Yeah, yeah. He he really was a different personality. I think I think Bonham, in a certain way, was just a, a big. I mean, great drummer, probably the greatest one to me. But the, the, just a big, hard hitting country boy who liked to have a good time. Would it would have fit in? I think personality wise, would have fit in with maybe not musically, but. With the Almond Brothers or Skinner, or, you know, I think they'd have, they'd have understood the John Bonham persona. Yeah, not just a British thing with the drummers, right? Because stateside here, I mean, we've had guys like Tommy Lee, sure. uh, Artemis Pyle of Leonard Skinner was something else in his day. I think still might be even Artemis. Yeah, it's, it's you know you can get you can debate the greatest drummers the. The, the guys in Memphis and and the guys who, who were from Motown, Bernard Purdy, you know, the session drumist, or Steve Gadd, uh, Keltner, uh, the, the L.A. session sound, that, that economical, clean sound. So it's it's um it's fascinating. It's funny. I, I retweeted a video of the, uh, Nandy's little. And say little, yeah. just a young British girl that does Dave Grohl, and you know it takes a special talent to, at that level. If I can, if I can tap a pencil on a coffee cup in rhythm. I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've reached my musical potential there. So to see those guys, uh, got to see Bonham, got to see Led Zeppelin live, and to, so to see bottom or charlie what charlie hadn't doesn't seem like charlie in a lot of ways has changed and they're going on 60 years here so charlie's got that as some of them did ginger baker too charlie had that jazz background ginger baker had that jazz background Mm -hmm. well cecil so much has happened since we last spoke here on the program it seems like uh we've had a month's worth of events sort of uh, go into effect, and uh, I guess we'll start with the schedule drop uh, from last week or earlier this week. Actually, I'm getting my days confused now. Um, 
what were your thoughts and sort of how that laid out and uh and, and from the perspective of of Alabama did did it uh did it strike you in a in a certain way well i my original impression of it was that it was um you know pretty even handed i didn't see anybody that that got, I, I thought I thought LSU and Alabama, and you can you can get all political about this if you want to, SEC wise. But I think avoiding having the the back to back blockbusters, you know, not having not having Georgia followed by LSU without a week off, um, the spacing of the schedule with the open date. Before Alabama LSU, um, the spacing of the schedule looked good to me, but of course, I immediately got some Twitter feedback, and I appreciate that. And different people had different perspectives. Well, you know, the the Alabama and LSU Georgia got taken care of, and Auburn and Tennessee got, got um, you know they have to play all these teams back to back, and but there was there was no way. To, to help Arkansas with the schedule, yeah. <laughs> when, when you've got when you've got eight top fifteen teams or whatever it is, um, you can only put them in so many spots. You know, somebody you're going to get back to back a couple of times. And um, uh, again, my my probably biggest regret is that we don't have an Arkansas Vandy game on the schedule. But um, it'll be interesting. And yeah, you know, Alabama Auburn. Isn't the last game, but I think the Thanksgiving weekend date is traditional enough for people. I think if it had been in September, it had been or first week of October. Um, I think you'd have heard a lot more feedback about it than you did. Cecil, uh, is it? You know, I'm going to admit I was a little bit. Uh not disappointed, but I, I was almost hopeful that we would see Alabama and Florida uh, get together during this uh, SEC only schedule. That being said, uh, I'm probably, I'm probably underselling Kentucky. And when I look at Kentucky there in November between LSU and uh, you know, I guess Auburn there and, and uh, you know, how that wraps up down the stretch, I, I'm probably underselling Mark Stoops and that team. And perhaps that, the, the Wildcats will come in here in 2012, Texas A&M, Alabama, you know, a week after right. the trip to LSU. But um, in terms of competitive balance and those things across the league, do, do you think some teams had a legitimate beef? Because apparently that was the case. Well, uh, I, I think it was more about which opponents they drew. I, I hadn't heard as much complaining now that once the opponents were drawn, the two additional opponents, I hadn't heard as much about the actual schedule. Sure, if I were Arkansas, I think you've got a, a little bit of a beef for sure. I mean, I don't know what you yeah. could do. I don't know how they could manipulate it. And as I've said, and as I've written, and, you know, there, there's two ways to look at it. And one is that the best way um the fair thing, that you know, fair, put fair in quotation marks, is to to have a complete parity and try. There's no way because of the difference in the teams, but to try to have all 14 teams go 500, go five and five. You know, then that can't happen, obviously. But to, you can schedule that way. You know, you can schedule. You can give. I, I thought. And, you know, this circulated for a while based on the, the future rotations for the SEC. I thought Florida and Vanderbilt would have been a fair two for Alabama. I think it just it was always going to be either either that schedule uh, and the, the draw and subsequently the schedule was going to have Alabama playing Florida and Georgia playing LSU or people were going to complain about, you know, yeah. those, those were the only two. Options now that the that's more or less what the NFL strives for is parity, schedule parity. Um, but if I'm in the NFL, 
and I go, um, we'll, we'll use the 10 game. You know, if I'm in the NFL and I go seven and three, I got a pretty good shot at the playoff. If I'm in the SEC and I go seven and three, I got no shot at the playoff. You know, if, you're, if your champion comes out of Atlanta eight and three, and this has changed a little bit, this dynamic changed a little bit with the Big 12 and Pac 12 not being part of that part of that mix now you know if, if it's just the three teams and it proceeds to a 14 college football playoff uh i can't imagine that all three conferences won't have a champion in there and then there'll be a wild card team uh, from whichever league uh but when it was five conferences for four spots uh you didn't want your champion which would have been very feasible you wouldn't want your eight and three champion uh, rolling out of Atlanta and having to be judged against uh, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma all just run the table. And then you, you've got to be worried about Notre Dame. You've got to be worried about Oregon. You've got to be worried about USC in a conference-only situation. Uh, and you'd have been putting yourself, uh, I don't know how, but I'd say at risk of that happening. And it would have been very, very feasible for somebody. If you made everybody's schedule, the top team schedule as tough as you possibly could, uh, somebody could win a division, could, could win a division, certainly at eight and two and maybe at seven and three and go to Atlanta and win the game. And it, it's a, so it would be a, a roll of the dice. I thought to, to schedule on the, your parity basis, as opposed to, you know, my, my top teams have it tough enough, but I'm not, so I'm not going to murder them. I'm not going to make Georgia play LSU, Florida play Alabama, because the door swings both ways. If you're helping Florida in that situation, you're also helping Alabama. And so, so, and, and, um, is that the fair way? Uh, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you look at the pragmatic way, and that's better than the fair way. Now, um, Alabama goes ten and zero. That ain't gonna make anybody in Arkansas feel any better, and I understand that. But I guess too now, in retrospect, with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten opting out, you could because it's set up in the way that it is. You could be looking at multiple spots in a potential playoff, a multiple SEC teams. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go above four, but, yeah, you could get two. Um, yeah. The ACC could get two. The Big, the big 12 might, maybe. I mean, you know, it just depends on how they're, how they're going to play, so to speak. Um, you know, don't know how good Texas will be. Don't know how good um, anybody other than Oklahoma will be, but that's not to say that one of them won't catch fire and be pretty good. So, um, but certainly the ACC teams, when you start looking at having Clemson and Notre Dame involved um, and, and the schedules that they have, no matter how, what you want to say about um, Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, getting an easy schedule, uh, Clemson's not going to trade. <laughs> Clemson's not going to say, "Yeah, we'll play that schedule. Yeah. We'll play, we'll play Georgia's schedule and let Georgia play our schedule." That's not going to happen. So, so, and and equally true of Notre Dame and, and of Oklahoma. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm really, um, again, my my first priority is whatever's safe. For the players, and if it's not safe, don't play. And as we mm-hmm. get past Labor Day, there'll be a time for that decision to be made. Um, I, I, so I'm not saying that the Big Twelve, excuse me, the Big Ten decision was will ultimately prove to have been wrong. But I think that their timing on their announcement has created a tremendous amount of unnecessary turmoil in college football have you have you ever seen anything like this that uh, publicly so public with a conference like the big 10 i mean you kind of expected it in the immediate wake of the decision 
but for this thing to just keep going on, and if these three other Power Five conferences pull off football, I mean, this is this isn't going away anytime soon, is it, Cecil? No, and I, I, again, I'm um, I'm putting aside the acrimony this week. I, you know, had a lot of back and forth with a lot of people over the week and the weekend and so forth. Um, I would hate to think um, that anybody, in particularly the Big Ten, they're, they're the ones that are getting hit with all. I think everybody feels like the Pac-12 did what the Big Ten did because that's what they do. Um, I would hate to to think that that the Big Ten is now pulling for something bad to happen in the ACC, SEC, Big 12. If the Big Ten made their decision and that's their decision, okay. But now this this constant search for something to criticize or something to go wrong or something to vindicate by whether it's it's unmanageable um, infection, coronavirus infection rates, whether it's you know, a serious case that affects an athlete. Uh, I, I really hope that those kind of thoughts can be set aside and that the, the Big Ten can, can and, and it's not every Big Ten institution either, but that, that people in the Big Ten can hope that everything goes well. That's not necessarily human nature. But I hope that that can be the attitude, and and you know, in return, then I'll say, although I have serious, serious reservations about the viability of spring football, um, I'm not going to. If it comes to that, I'm not going to pull for the Big Ten to fail in that. So, so Cecil um, talked about this earlier in the week too. If we do get through a playoff. And mm-hmm. we crown and we crown a national champion. I, I don't think the national champion from the three leagues that are left will have to apologize for a championship in that scenario. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. They would be the they. It's twenty twenty, and they would be the best team that played football, college football in twenty twenty. Yeah, I don't know how else you define a champion. If you want to put an asterisk on it, put an asterisk on it. But um, I don't think that uh, the the team that wins it is certainly yeah it may be Clemson it may be Oklahoma, um, and and the Nick Saban rule decisions have consequences, and you can sit there and Clemson. I think the people again I, I'm not um, trying to beat on Ohio State. I think there are a lot of people in Columbus, a lot of Ohio State fans, a lot of Ohio State players. And it sounds like some Ohio State administrators who want to play, who, who, who wanted to try and play. Um, but if they don't play and somebody else wins the college football playoff, uh, decisions have consequences. Yeah. You know, you chose not to play. So, so, you know, you can, you can hypothetical and what if and, yeah, if and this is there, there are a thousand hurdles between here and there. But if we get to a college football championship and Nick or Coach O or Lincoln Riley or Dabo or Brian Kelly is hoisting a trophy, uh, that's the trophy. And you know, your your institutional decision was not to compete for that trophy. So that, that's all I can say to that. Cecil, what did you take from North Carolina a couple of days ago? UNC Chapel Hill going remote learning, but then almost simultaneously releasing a statement saying that they're still moving forward with football and uh, well, fall season. Think, what 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 did you take from that? Well, I think it's an important. I think once they go remote learning, that's the first question that's going to be asked from a lot of. Not from everybody, because there are some people that that um, 
have academic priorities as they should, and some people aren't as plugged. Uh, I mean, we're we're people whose jobs are to cover college sports in the South, you know. So so our perspective may be a little different than some other people's, and that's fine. But you knew those questions were going to come. Uh, you know, <laughs> one thing, and I'm sure it's been addressed, and you just can't read everything. One thing I haven't seen addressed is if the ACC pulls the plug, then when are they starting basketball? Because exactly. I, I, can't, I can't foresee North Carolina and Duke pulling the plug on basketball, can you? And if they pulled the plug on football right now, wouldn't they be essentially saying how, how, do play, play how do you play? How do you play? How do you play basketball before January one? Yeah. So that may be like college football. What's left of it's and it may come to that for the SEC, but yeah, know, I think it's a very salient question along Tobacco Road. And we know what matters on that uh, stretch up there. And we appreciate it. We, uh, we yeah, enjoy that's, it. that's fine. <laughs> so, Cecil, you sort of alluded to earlier Labor Day as maybe mm-hmm. being we, we've talked about dates and it seems like we pass these mile markers and, and we kind of wander into this next stretch from you know month to month. Is is that what you've got circled right now, kind of to see how we're dealing well, with this? Yes and no. I think this? that is a I think that is a benchmark in terms of guys practicing and in terms of, you know, if you're going to have, if you're going to have a holiday, you know, that's not a, that's not necessarily a turn them loose holiday, yeah. but it is a no school holiday, three day weekend. And, and, um, you'll have an, another, I almost said a month, but it goes by so quickly, but you'll have another two weeks of data. Um, to decide that that would be that would seem like if you felt compelled to go full virtual that would seem like a logical time to do it but you know as far as circling that you know that today's Wednesday that somebody somebody in the SEC may some campus may make that decision on Friday doesn't doesn't appear to be leaning that way but you know, North Carolina had a spike. Notre Dame had a spike, and it's something that has to be. And, and it took cost both to um, go to go to virtual or to partial virtual in Notre Dame's case. Um, so, I, I, I think the I think there's there, there's so much complexity, and so many people who want to tie, and and fairly so, but they want to tie the amateurism issue into virtual versus non-virtual. And I, I do think that's an important long-term issue, but I don't know that that's an issue that's going to get settled in the next four weeks, five weeks. Oh, this campus went virtual. That means that their football players aren't really students. Well, you know what? Let's, let's, let's go status quo for a few weeks and then we'll we'll have that debate but um and maybe that'll be a strong point for the for the anti-amateurism people and in some ways i'm one one of those people um maybe that'll be a strong point for them going forward um i don't know i'm curious to to you have to deal with so many entities now and try and interpret so many things. And, you know, suddenly, let, let's, let's speak plainly. The NCAA has come out as anti-football. Let's, let's just so spring or at least 2020 football. Uh, they, they've, um, they've clear, they're clearly trying to do as much as they can to get it canceled. Whether that stems from the amateurism issue or not, um, will remain to be seen, although you can't help but suspect that it might. But it'll be interesting to see what they're willing to do to try to save college basketball and specifically the NCAA tournament next March. Yeah, and and it will because there's a lot of money on the table. And also, it, it, it'll be interesting to see 
some of the reaction and and again there's fairness with a capital F and there's pragmatism with a capital P and how hard and this is not enough but are we are we going to go to the mat to say that Amherst lacrosse players are amateurs at the expense of Ohio State's football players, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's football players. You know, is yeah. that what our stance is? That we can't give an inch on this football season because then somebody might say that the that the swimmers at Dartmouth aren't amateurs. Cecil, as we wrap up with you on this Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Houston Hydrasteam here on Tide 100.9 FM. I wanted to ask you, obviously, about the capacity uh, numbers that we're seeing mm-hmm. around college football for the upcoming season right here in Tuscaloosa yesterday. I know you had that information for us. Um, based on our conversations over the last several months, I, I don't think a surprise to either one of us to see uh, Alabama, for now at least, settle for for the number that it did. No, and it's an adjustment for some people. Um, you know, first of all, let me say two things. The capacity decision, while, while it certainly came down to an athletic department decision, I'm going to assume, but with a lot of um, university side, Rose administration side input, and state input. Yeah, they're, they're, local. I don't think yeah. state and local input. The high schools so, are at twenty five percent here in Tuscaloosa, so that should have yeah. given you some kind of inclination, right? Right, right. So you know, I, I don't think the state was ever comfortable with fifty percent, and so a, a lot of a lot of moving parts in that. The no tailgate decision is strictly a university administration, Rose administration. Decision. I think that's the correct decision, uh, but you know, a lot of people are upset about that, and um, I, I think it was. Uh, I think you defeat the purpose by putting twenty five thousand people on the quad. People are saying, "Oh, well, we're, you know, we're going to be on the quad anyway." Well, I don't know how that's going to be. At least the first thing is if you've adopted a, a no tailgating policy. You know, you. People say, oh, they're not going to arrest 20,000. And no, they're not. And nor do I advocate arresting 20,000 people or whatever. But you don't power strip it. You know, you you may sit out there with your Honda generator where you can watch some TV. Um, You you probably are more strict in your enforcement of um, public consumption of alcohol, you know. If you've got your cooler beer out there, then you're not just violating a, a tailgate policy, but you're breaking the law. Um, so, you know, a lot of things will go into that. Do I think Do I think that the family of four that wants to sit over by the softball stadium with, some, with a box of grocery store chicken and Coca-Cola and listen to, listen to, Eli on the car radio is going to get rousted? Probably not. You know, probably not. Well, you're still going to have the strip in downtown to consider too, right? Oh yeah, now the oof. <laughs> you, oof. You, you you know you talk about the man, and you know Benny has, <laughs> but this this only empowers the cover charge man. Mm. I will promise you that. Mm. This this is. This is, um, <laughs> it's gonna be like Studio 54 and like, oh man, it's, this is Velvet Ropes 77. Is, yeah, have Velvet is, Ropes, you know, gonna have red velvet ropes outside the establishment, Cecil. Kim and Kanye are gonna show up, they're gonna get told <laughs> it'll be about 45 minutes. <sighs> the Viper Room, I'll just go out to yeah, on Sunset, absolutely, Oof. absolutely. <laughs> so, yes, that, that. Alabama, Georgia, I couldn't oh, even. A&M. And, and and more power to them. They need a break. 
but yeah. um, I can't imagine Alabama Georgia weekend. Um, Trying to at, down at, there at on certain the strip establishments, and if you want to yeah. slake your thirst, I cannot imagine what it will cost you on the top side. Mm. Absolutely. Well, Cecil, as always, <laughs> we appreciate the time, my friend. Always good stuff. Always look forward to it, and we'll look forward to doing it again next week. Who knows what we'll have to talk okay, about by that time. Gosh, it's hard to guess. Let me just say that. <laughs> All right, okay, Cecil, thank you, have a good one. There you go, Cecil Hurt. Uh, columnist, sports editor, of course, there at the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. Partially sunny this afternoon, a chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms through early tonight. The high today, 91. Tonight's low, 70. Tomorrow, the sky cloudy at times. Look out for scattered to numerous showers and thunderstorms during the day. The high at 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports presented by Houston Hydrostein. Houston Hydrosteam, outstanding service. They're going to take great care of your rugs, your carpets, your upholstery, wall-to-wall, ceiling-to-floor. They've got you covered there at Houston Hydrosteam, 205-553-9460. Get in touch with Jackie and his outstanding crew. Locally owned, locally operated, very thorough. Great service, once again, from Houston Hydrosteam, 205-553-9460. Nine four six zero. Man, it's getting uglier and uglier with this Darius Geis situation. The former LSU running back, of course, released by the Washington Football Club after being charged with domestic violence up there in the D.C. area. Well, now reports coming out of his college days that are accusing him of multiple sexual assaults, including... The assertion by a former boyfriend of one of the alleged victims that the information was presented to LSU head coach Ed Orgeron, who again, allegedly, told the former boyfriend of the uh, the, 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 the young person that's accusing uh, Geis of the assault now. According to the former player, Orgeron responded, everybody's girlfriend sleeps with other people. Wow. That's going to do it for a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Once again, thanks to Cecil Hurt. Thanks to Joe Gaither and the outstanding production crew at Tide 100.9 FM for making the show happen. Lunch whistle today, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, the Yardbird Chicken Sandwich, meatloaf plates, biscuit plates, great salads as well. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard. North until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody.